Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. I don't know about you, but I never tire hearing stories about how Jesus has changed people's lives. Have, have you? What about you? Isn't that awesome? Let's give God glory. Amen. He is changing people's lives. Hey, if you're brand new with us at any one of our locations today, whether you're joining us here at Greenwood or online or our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Seymour campus, our Garfield Park campus, or if you're joining us at one of our e-microsites this morning, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up to all of our first-time guests today? Someone has been relentlessly pursuing you, and they've been inviting you, and finally you said, Uncle, I'll come, and you're here, and we're thankful. Uh, hopefully your experience thus far has been a good one. And if you're not brand new, welcome back. Great week to be here because we're talking about the vision of our church, the mission of our church, why do we exist? Why do we keep trying to launch microsites and multi-sites? By the way, can you believe 86 people today in Martinsville? It's unbelievable. You know, I saw a picture of it. I wish I could just show it to you real quick. Maybe next week I'll show it to you. There's 86 people in a YMCA and they're watching a big screen television. That's how they're doing church this morning. I'm like, we got to get them a big screen. Do you agree? Let's get them a big screen. Uh, so we may take an offering at the end of the service. I'm not sure. But, uh, uh, but no, God's doing amazing things. Why do we do what we do around here? You've probably heard me say it, your campus pastor say it, Pastor Cody, whoever. Right? This is what we say around here. We are in a relentless pursuit to see people say it with me, come to Christ and grow in Christ. It's why we do what we do. You cut us. It's what we bleed. It's, it organizes our staff. It organizes our budgets. It organizes our impact team. We are on a mission to see people far from God come to Christ and, go and grow in Christ. And we're the 31st fastest growing church in America, which is absolutely bonkers because all of you have decided to get on the relentless pursuit to do that. And so last week we talked about how uh, the first part of that vision, which is to see people come to Christ. We said, hey, sinners go to Hell, that's not a popular thing to say today, but that's what the Bible teaches. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we ask this question, well, who goes to heaven? If, if, all, if all are sinners and all sinners go to hell, who goes to heaven? Well, forgiven sinners go to heaven. Jesus Christ came to this earth. The righteous died for the unrighteous, 1 Peter 3.18. Why? To bring us safely home to God, to be reconciled to God, to have a relationship with God so we can go to heaven when we die. And so we challenged you last week, I challenged you last week to personally make that your burden for your friends, to live a life that is credible so that when you speak, your message is believable. And then at the right time, in the right place to speak up and to share your faith and invite your friends to church. So I asked you to write the names down of your friends on the board. Many of you did. And that was all last week. If you miss it, you could check it out on YouTube. Today I want to talk about the second half of our vision, which is to see people 
grow in Christ. We want them to come to Christ, yes, have their sins forgiven, but then after that, we want to become like Jesus. Here's how C.S. Lewis put it in his book, Mere Christianity. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. It's real simple. Jesus didn't just come to this earth to take you to heaven when you die. He came to this earth to turn you into a daughter of God, a son of God. What does that mean? It means that you are to become a little Jesus, a little version of a Jesus, okay? That's the purpose of your life before you die and go to heaven. Paul was writing in the book of Galatians to a group of Christians in Galatia, and this is what he said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains. Now, he probably shouldn't have used that term labor pains, because he's a dude. And dudes can observe labor pains, but they've never experienced them, okay? He probably should have said something like, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm passing a kidney stone. But he chose labor pains, and we all get what he's saying. He says, I feel like I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is, say with me, fully developed in your life. Paul wasn't just burdened for them to get saved and go to heaven when they die. Okay, that's a big deal. You'd rather go there than the other place, amen? Hello. There's no parties in hell. Okay, it's not a fun place to go. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, eternal fire, that's what the Bible says about hell. We want to go to heaven, but what about before we die? Paul says, I'm in labor pains until Christ is fully developed in your life. The, word, the Greek word for fully developed is morpho. It means to be shaped. Picture a, a potter with a lump of clay shaping and molding that piece of clay. God wants to shape and mold you into a little Jesus. Paul would try to communicate this in different ways. In Romans chapter 13, listen to how he says it. He says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is so odd. But really, it's not so odd. He's like, in the same way that you get dressed up in the morning to go to work or whatever it is you do, every single day, I want you to put on Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with Jesus and all of his qualities and his ways and the ways he thinks and, and, and the qualities inside of him. And then he says this, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. God wants to make you just like Christ before you die. He wants you to act like Jesus. He wants you to think like Jesus. He wants you to respond the way Jesus would respond in certain situations in life. He wants you to be, treat people the way Jesus treated people. He wants you to think the way Jesus thought. But not only that, he wants you to feel the way Jesus felt. That's interesting. How did Jesus feel when he was going through this life? What was the inner condition of his soul? If you read the New Testament, you could see that Jesus was at peace internally. There was a harmony between him and his father that produced great levels of peace. You see in the New Testament that Jesus was filled with joy, even though he was incredibly busy and he was constantly with people. You see in the New Testament that Jesus, as he interacted with people, was filled with compassion and love and tenderness, and gentleness. You see that in the New Testament, as Jesus interacted with people, he offered forgiveness 
and grace and mercy. If you're not aware of this, I'll inform you right now, but Jesus was the most joyful, most peaceful human being that ever walked this planet. He was in harmony with his father. He was the happiest, healthiest human being we've ever seen walk this planet. You say, well, he was God. Well, yeah, he was, but he was also 100% man. And God says, here's what I want to do for you. I don't want to just change your life in such a way that you act and respond and think like Jesus. I want to, to, to change the inner quality of your life and infuse your life with hope, with joy, and with peace. That's God's plan for your life. That's pretty exciting, don't you think? But here's what I've noticed, and you've noticed this, because you're, you're an observer, and you, you notice people, I notice people. I listen, I pay attention to what's going on. I probably can do better, but I try. You've probably noticed this with folks who work at the office where you work, or maybe you work in a school system, or maybe you work in a government system, or maybe you work in a business, or maybe you're just a stay-at-home parent, but you've noticed this. There is no epidemic of Christ-likeness going on today. We don't see a whole lot of joy, a whole lot of peace, a whole lot of hopefulness, purity, a whole lot of love, a whole lot of compassion. Have you noticed? The world is in a tough spot, and I'm talking about individual people. As I observe the world, I see a whole lot of anxiety, a whole lot of depression. I see a whole, a whole lot of addiction, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. The world is in, a, is in a bad way. I was doing some research for this sermon, and I had seen some of these similar statistics before, but it seems like there's there's a sexual craze that's come over our nation. It's, it's, it's actually mind-boggling when you think about some of the information I'm gonna share with you right now. But every second of every day, $3,000 is spent on pornographic content. Every second. Every second of every day in the United States of America, 28,000 people are logged into a pornographic website. That's enough to fill a large stadium every second of every day. Every second, 372 searches are done on Google for adult content. Every single second. 25% of all Google searches are pornographic in nature. That's 68 million a day. There's only like, I don't know, 300 million Americans. Maybe 350? There's like a sexual craze that's come over. We just want to see people having sex on a screen. It's mind-boggling. And all the addictions that that produces and the broken relationships and the affairs and the divorces that are coming from that are countless. There is no epidemic of Christ-likeness in our country today. Do you agree? I started thinking about how hopeless people are today. And maybe you're watching today at one of our locations or online, and you struggle with hopelessness, sense of purposelessness, nihilism, 
What's the whole point of it? Did you know that every single day, 125 Americans take their own life? That's one suicide every 11 and a half minutes. So by the time I'm done with this talk, this sermon, three people have committed suicide. That's my world, that's your world, that's our country, that's the most prosperous nation in the, country, in the world. You know? Opportunities abound. There is no epidemic of Christ-likeness in our world today, yes? You notice how angry people are? Have you been on the road lately? I, I was doing a workout on Friday, and, and after the workout, I like to go in the sauna and, and kind of just chill there and relax, stretch out a little bit. So I'm in the sauna on Friday, and um, you know, it's like 170 degrees in there. It's really hot. And there's like six or seven dudes in there. So it's pretty tight. You know, it's like a, I don't know, five by seven room. I don't know what it is, tiny little room. And, and, and you know, we're sitting in there, and all of a sudden, this one dude grabs his, I'd seen him before, uh, he grabs his phone and he puts his music on and he, and he puts it up really loud, which is an, un, there's an unwritten rule in the sauna, don't, you know, just, you put your headphones in, right? So he puts his music on and it's like techno, really, blah, 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 it's like beaten music. And, uh, and so I'm like, I don't, look, I don't care, like, I just want to get along with everybody. So if you want to do that, I'm out of here in 10 minutes anyway, no problem, play your music. So I got my headphones in. Well, this other dude didn't feel that way. And he was sitting right across from me, you know? And so he's looking at me and I'm looking at him like. And, and so I'm looking at this other dude who puts his music, about, music up and, and he's just got this look in his eye and he starts doing this weird thing with his arms. He starts going. And I'm like, what does that mean? Do you, so. So, the, so I'm looking at the guy right across from me. This other dude's playing, playing the music in the corner. It's a small room. It's hot. We're sweating. And, and he's not having it. So he says, hey, can you, can you put your headphones in? He wasn't happy. And I was like, okay, maybe he'll put his headphones in and this will be over, right? So he, does, he totally ignores them. So he does it again. He says, hey, hey. Could you put your headphones in? I don't want to hear your effing music. It's like, oh, we go, here we go. <laughs> because I've been in these scenarios before, like dudes, like you drop an F-bomb here, and you say that, I mean, it's, next thing you know, there's a left hook, and there's, I mean, it's just, it just, it just goes there. Ladies, you guys, you, ladies, you don't mess with this stuff, but we dudes, we, we like to do this stuff. I don't know why. <laughs> you ever hear of a ladies fight in the sauna? <laughs> anyway. So the tension is rising. I'm already sweating. It's super hot. So I'm, I'm Pastor Danny. Like, I'm, I'm all about diffusing situations. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like, let's calm this down. So I start waving at the dude because he's like three feet away from me. I'm like. <laughs> looking right at me. He's looking right at me going. I'm like, what does that mean? Turn, do you have headphones? So the next thing that usually happens in a scenario like that, and if you're a guy, you know what happens. There's a, there's a face-to-face. So, so, so the big dude in the corner, forgot to mention he was big, he gets up, he gets up, and I'm like, well, here we go. This is going down right here. Whose team am I going to be on? Because I'm not, I'm not getting pummeled in the sauna here. So I think I'm going with the big guy. 
So he gets up, and, the, and I think he's about to swing on this guy and just knock him out, right? And so, but by God's grace, he says, I don't want to hear your effing music. I'm going to go get a staff member. And I was like, oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> and he walks out, and, and as the guy's walking out, of course, this, this elbow guy over here says, well, nobody wants to hear your effing mouth. And I'm like, oh, you had to go say that, right? And I thought he was going to turn around, but he didn't, and he left, and the whole thing kind of went away. And oh, I feel exhausted telling that story. <laughs> the tension, the tension. People are so angry today. You know, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for both of them. Why couldn't you just, it's like, it's 10 minutes, just listen to the dude's music. And why couldn't you just put your headphones in? And why is everybody going to be so mad? But there's not an epidemic of Christ-likeness today. In fact, when I got out of the sauna, I got right on YouTube and I typed in fights in LA Fitness. I did, I swear it, I promise. And it, all of a sudden, all these videos came up, I started watching them. And I'm watching dudes kill each other in LA Fitness. My gosh. You know, we're having a little fun and we're joking around, but man, this is tough. Look, it makes me sad. Like, who wants to go through life with that much anger where you're willing to curse somebody out you don't even know? In a sauna? It didn't have to be that way. Jesus said, Jesus came to give us abundant life. And he came to fix all that. He came to give people hope and replace their anger. Listen to what he said. It's so good. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I mean, it is, can, cannot be any more clear than that. The offer on the table is not, hey, pray this prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. That's part of the deal. But the real invitation is come to me now while you're alive so that you can experience true life. What is abundant life? Abundant life is, the word abundant, the Greek word means more than you need, more than is necessary. Think TV dinner, okay? Anybody grow up on Salisbury steak, TV dinners? <laughs> Put it in the microwave and the mashed potatoes kind of come out kind of hard with bubbles on them. And the corn is all soggy, but, you know, if you eat it, it keeps you alive, okay? It's, it's, how many of you admit it's good enough, TV dinners? It's good enough. You're not going to die. Have you ever been to Roos Chris? Oh, my gosh. I've only been a few times, but each time I've gone, the steak comes out. You don't even have to cut it with a knife. You just use a fork. And every bite is just overwhelmingly delicious, and, you're, and it's just that your senses are just firing off, and there's just so much pleasure, and it's like, wow. Now, you and I would both agree, you don't, you, no one needs Ruth Chris to stay alive. You could stay alive on TV dinners. But see, Jesus didn't come to give us Salisbury steak TV dinners. He came to give us a Ruth Chris kind of life. That's what the word abundant means. I know you don't need this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Now, do not mishear me when I say Ruth's Chris or abundance. I'm not talking about houses or cars or millions of dollars. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus neither had houses, cars, nor millions of dollars, but he was the happiest, most joyful, most peaceful being to walk this planet. Amen? He never owned a house. He never owned a horse. He never owned a sheep. He wasn't married, and he had no assets to his name, but yet he walked this planet with a quality of life that's never been experienced before. 
I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about an inner quality of life. For the rest of our time today, I want to talk about what that looks like. I could talk about, there's so many things I could talk about. I, talk, I thought about describing the wisdom that comes from Jesus. What, knowing what to do, how to do it, when to do it. I thought about talking, the, uh, I thought about talking about the, 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 the security that Jesus brings us and he answers the questions of our soul, of our value, who we are as people. Oh, thought I thought about talking about that. I thought I'd talk about maybe the inner strength that he gives people on this side of heaven to deal with their problems, but strength, wisdom, security, worthlessness, all, uh, worth, worthfulness, I should say. I narrowed it down to three things because I think these are the three big ones. Hope, joy, and peace. Let's talk about hope. The abundant life is a life, of first, first of all, of hope. Now, what is hope? Hope is absolutely essential to thriving in life. Hope is this inner conviction that no matter how bad things are right now, things are going to be better in the future. I like to think about hope in this way. What's the opposite of hope? Well, the opposite of hope is quitting. The opposite of hope is quitting the job, quitting the marriage, giving up on your kids, giving up on yourself, taking your own life. What's the opposite of that? Loving life. Loving your marriage, loving your job, hanging in there, pushing hard even when it's difficult. How important is hope? It's the ball game, isn't it? How do you get hope? Well, you got to tap into its source. Its source. I read this book every single day. I hope, I hope you do too. I read it when I'm on vacation. I read it when I'm not on vacation. I read it when I have a long day, when I have a short day. I read it when I have an early flight and i got to get to the airport at five. I read it when I have a, a difficult day, I read it when I have a good day. I read it every single day. And here's why I read this book every single day, because this is a book of hope. Let me show you what Romans chapter 15 says. For everything that was written in the past in the Old Testament was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, right here, this book right here, and the encouragement that they provide for us, we might have, say it with me, hope. This is a book of hope. How do you find hope? You find hope through the scriptures. Who wrote the scriptures? The Word of God, who is Jesus. The Holy Spirit wrote this book. When we fail to read this book, we give up a huge energy source of hope. One of my favorite passages that this book provides is Romans chapter 8. It's arguably the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Paul is talking about in one section of chapter 8 how the world itself, the earth, and all of creation is subject to the curse that happened in the Garden of Eden when, eat, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And because of that, the world is groaning with earth, earthquakes and tornadoes and tsunamis. And, and there's all kinds of problems that the earth has because it's subject to the curse for now. And the earth, in a sense, is groaning and waiting for Christ's return to restore the earth to its perfect original condition. And then he says this about us. And we believers also groan along with the earth even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, meaning that we know in the future everything's going to be restored, we still groan now because we have problems. What are those problems? Watch this. He says, for we long for our bodies to be released from, say it with me, sin and suffering. Do you still sin? Anybody? Anybody a sinner? I do. I had to go home yesterday and apologize to my wife or something. I, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I do dumb, dumb things. 
Suffering and sin is present. Even though we have this future where, where everything's going to be restored, we still struggle and we groan inside. And we say, oh, I can't wait for things to get better. Listen to what he says next. We too wait with eager, say it with me, hope. There it is. For the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including, oh, and I love this part. He adds this at the end. Our new bodies, our new knees. Anybody get excited about a new knee one day? How about a shoulder? How about an elbow? How about a pancreas? <laughs> How about a liver, right? How about a toe? Some of you got jacked up toes. You do. <laughs> Some of you have nasty jacked up toenails. Yeah, all discolored. One day, all that, all that stuff down there, <laughs> it's gonna be fixed. You're gonna get a brand new body. When did we get this hope? Listen to what he says in verse 24, watch this. We were given this, say it with me, Hope when we were saved. <sighs> hope, how important is hope? It's the ball game. Why? Did, why? Because it, it helps us to, to realize that no matter how hard things are right now, one day it's going to be better. God's going to restore all things. Christians should be the most hopeful people on this planet. And, and people who are outside of the faith should look at us and want to get in the kingdom because of the hope that they see in you. Number two, joy. The abundant life is a, is, a, is a life of joy. Now, joy is a tricky word. What is joy? Some people think it's happiness. It's not. Happiness is this elation that is connected to a circumstance. You get the job. The baby's healthy. You know, you, you got the house. Oh, my gosh. We got a raise. Good stuff. We get happy for a while, and then it fades. That's not joy. Joy is something different. Dallas Willard talks about it like this. <clears throat> joy is not pleasure, a mere sensation, but a pervasive and constant sense of of well-being. I love that phrase, a pervasive and constant sense of, it's not fleeting, it's not connected to your circumstances, it's connected to something far better. Glad I stopped that alarm. Far better. What is it connected to? Well, listen to what King David wrote in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life, which is such, which is such a great statement. We're all looking for the right path of life. What is the right path of life? David says this, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You see, so many of us are looking to our circumstances for joy, and if we look to our circumstances for joy, we're going to be let down every single time, because they may change and become positive for time, from time to time, but most of the time, things just don't work out. Do you agree? <clears throat> Have you lived long enough to realize that? Most of the time, things just don't work out the way that you want them to. So we gotta stop looking to our circumstances. We gotta start looking to the source of joy, which is God's presence. Jesus was talking about this in John chapter 15. He said basically to his disciples, he said, guys, I am like the trunk of the tree, and you guys are the branches. <clears throat> Excuse me, you guys are the branches. If you will stay connected to the trunk of the tree, you're gonna have all kinds of fruit on your branch. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. But if you disconnect from the, from the trunk, your branches will be empty. And then he says this in verse 15. I've told you these things, what? About the trunk and the branches, so that you will be filled with, say it with me, my joy. And your joy, therefore, will overflow. It's this is an amazing concept that Jesus wants to take the joy that is inside of his soul and put a little bit inside of your soul. 
And when that happens, your joy overflows. Not because your circumstances changed or the cancer went away or you finally found someone to marry or blah, 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 blah. All that's fine. I like when good circumstances happen to me, but I can't depend on those for joy. I've got to look to the presence of God and so do you. And that's the offer of the kingdom. That's the offer that Jesus makes. He does not come to this earth to say, hey, pray this prayer, believe in me, I'll forgive you of your sins, and then you'll go to heaven when you die. But until then, suck it up because life is terrible. That's not the gospel. The gospel is I've come, I've come to give you life, a Ruth Chris life, not a TV dinner life. It's life to the full. It's life filled with hope. It's life filled with true joy before you die. And when we tap into that source of joy and people see that, and it's separate from our circumstances, it's very, very attractive to the outside world. And it's our job to share it with them. So it's hope, it's joy. Let me talk about this last one, it's peace. The abundant life is a life of peace. Not a, not a, a lot of peace out there today because there's no epidemic of Christ-likeness. But listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give you, the world cannot give you. So there is a peace that the world gives. You know, you pay off some debt, you get some Dave Ramsey financial peace, right? You go on vacation, you get some peace from the job for a little while, right? Your kids graduate, they go off to college, you get some peace in the home, (laughs) right? There's some peace here on earth. Jesus is talking about something totally different. He's talking about the peace that's in his soul. He's gonna take a little bit of that peace, he's gonna put it in your soul. And then he says this, so don't be troubled or afraid. He doesn't say that you'll never have problems. Well, there'll never be pain, there'll never be sin, there'll never be suffering. No, he just says, I'm gonna give you a peace. So in the midst of the problems, this peace is gonna surpass all understanding. You're gonna be able to rest in the midst of problems and pain because of this divine peace. How do you tap into that peace? Because that is abundant life. Well, Jesus said one time, all you gotta do is come to me. That's another way of saying repent. Jesus would say repent and turn into the kingdom. What does repent mean? It means to turn. In other words, we're going at life by ourselves, doing our own thing. Jesus says, you were never meant to live that way. When you live that way, you're gonna be stressed and overwhelmed, you're gonna get angry, you're gonna get frustrated. You might cuss somebody out in a sauna. So turn and come to me. Listen to how he explained it in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say it with me, rest. I love that word rest. When I think of peace, I think of rest. He says, take my yoke from me and learn from me. That's our job as disciples, to learn from Jesus. And then he says this, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, I love this phrase, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What does that mean? Well, a a yoke is an old farming tool. It's actually still used today by farmers. It puts two animals together, two two cattle that, that, that are used to plow a field. Here's a picture of a yoke. It's just a piece of wood that hooks them up. Jesus says, here's what you've been doing your whole life. You've been going at this deal yourself. You've been trying to plow the fields all by yourself and you're worn out and you're tired because you weren't designed to do it that way. You were not designed to live life by yourself. You were designed to hook up with me, sync up with me, align with me, 
and that let, let me pull the weight. And when you do that and you learn from me, you take my teachings and you begin to obey my teachings and follow my teachings and you rely upon me, that's when you will find rest for your soul. That's what's available to you and I today. Now, why would somebody do that? Well, I think, I think the answer, at least it is for me, is to come to this conviction that God is sovereign. That God knows everything and he's all powerful and his heart is good. And when you come to a conviction that that is true, you have no problem saying, Jesus, I'm taking my life and I'm yoking it to yours. Because you know everything about everything and you have all the power on heaven and earth is yours and you have all the wisdom in the universe and so I'm gonna connect my life to yours and then I'm just gonna trust that you got everything under control. Listen to what Psalm 103 verse 19 says. The Lord has made the heavens his throne and from there he rules over everything. Do you believe that? See, I just believe that. When I put the news on, when I hear about some, the latest catastrophe or the latest corruption or the latest scandal or the latest atrocity, it, it could make you feel like, gosh, there's God, where is God? Like he's no, like, <sighs> but I just believe behind all of the good and all of the bad, there is a God who has a plan and he is ruling there. And therefore, I can trust him. I can sync up with him. I can take his yoke upon me and let him pull the weight. I'll give you a great definition of peace if you like definitions. Peace is rest of soul rooted in the greatness of God's rule. God's rule. My dad was asking me a question last week about heaven after my sermon. And I was explaining to him about what heaven will be in the future when Jesus returns and restores all things. And I explained it to him like a kingdom. And it's not gonna be very different from, from what we're experiencing now, but it's gonna be very different in a lot of ways. Not different in the sense that we'll have jobs and responsibility and authority, but very different in the sense there'll be no sin, no corruption, no death, no decay. So I was explaining to him how that, would elimin that will eliminate a lot of jobs in heaven. Okay, did you know you're gonna have a job in heaven? Okay, now you do. But you will not be a police officer. You will not be an EMT worker. No need for those. You will not be a lawyer. That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> Missed it. Because <laughs> there'll, there'll be no need for any of those jobs. Why? Because in heaven there'll be perfect righteousness because we will have one ruler and I was explaining this to my dad, and so he said, so I love, this is what he said to me. He said, basically what you're telling me is it's not gonna be a democracy. I said, absolutely. No democracy. Total dictatorship. <laughs> and the reason why it could be a perfect dictatorship in heaven, in the future for us, is because Christ is totally righteous and he's totally good and he's totally sovereign and we can trust him. Amen? Amen. We can't do that right now with humans. You make a dictator, what happens? You get a Stalin, you get a Hitler, you get a Mao. 
It won't work right now, but in the future, because it's Jesus, it will work. So what is trust? Trust is, trust is rest of soul rooted in the greatness of God's rule. Abundant life. What is it? It's so many things. It's wisdom, it's purpose, it's answers to the soul questions, it's joy, it's hope, it's peace. And when you live, when you live into this, you begin to experience some of this, there's no better life. And then what happens is you, you start to see other people who are out there struggling and you're like, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to live with that addiction to pornography or to alcohol. You don't have to be that angry or frustrated. You don't have to be that anxious. If you would just learn to come to Jesus and why don't you come with me to church? And that's why I'm always inviting people to church. Not because I think our church is great. I think it is. I think it is. But in these environments, whatever campus you're at, this is the place where people just might meet Jesus, the source of joy, hope, and strength. Just like Deidre said in her video. So who are you pursuing? Who's the person in your life that's down and out, depressed, discouraged, on the verge of suicide, They need a phone call, they need an invitation, they need a text message from you. Who's that person that's trapped in anger and resentment and bitterness? Will you relentlessly pursue them? Because that's what our church is all about. Like if, if, if you come to Emmanuel and it's only for you, you've missed it. I'm glad it blesses you. I hope, I hope our church continues to bless you. But we are pursuing the world because the world is in rough shape. Do you agree? So we're gonna have a song here, and I just want you to think of that person who's struggling in your life. And during this song, when, when you feel led, just stand up, you can go over to the boards, whatever campus you're at, we've got boards at all of our campuses. If you're watching online, Pastor Matt's giving you some instructions on how to write some names down. Here at Greenwood, there's, there's, uh, there's posters in the, uh, up on the balcony and all around. During this song, think of that person. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, a mother struggling and they need Christ. They need hope, joy, and peace. Write their names down on the board and then we'll come back up and close. Well, all of our campuses have these relentless pursuit boards around the auditoriums. They're filled with the names of people who they are relentlessly pursuing, who our people are relentlessly pursuing. Well, since the online campus doesn't have one of these boards, because we meet digitally, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a post-it note maybe a whiteboard, a cork board, and I want you to write down the name of the person you are going to relentlessly pursue, and I want you to keep that name in front of you and pray for them every single day this week. People are searching for an abundant life filled with hope, filled with joy and peace, and go be that conduit for people to find that life through a relationship with Jesus. Well, before I end our time together, I wanna come back to Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love that verse. That verse is life-changing for me. See, rest is what you and I are searching for in 2022. That's probably the word of the year. I mean, come on, say that word with me, rest. Man, it's a beautiful word. And some of you are watching, you've been searching for rest your whole life. Hear me, Jesus is saying rest is attainable. It's not found in things, it's found in a relationship with Jesus. So how can you step into rest? And here's the answer. You gotta put your faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news. See, the gospel, I love this because it can be summed up in four words. Jesus in my place. 
You and I deserve the punishment for our sin. God is just. And in his justice, a price had to be paid. And you know what what Jesus did? He raised his hand. He said, I'll pay the price for humanity. I'll pay the price for Michelle, for Matt, for Jeremy, for Jack, for you. See, Paul gives us the formula to salvation in the book of Romans. He says, if anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them and he rose from the grave, guess what? They can be saved. So anyone who puts their faith in him, who trusts in him, will be made right in the sight of God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. So you may be sitting there thinking, how does believing that Jesus died and rose again affect my life right here, right now in 2022? I'm so glad you asked. Jesus says in Matthew 4, repent because the kingdom of God is here. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not some far off distant future where eternity is. It's right here, right now, and it's yours for the taking. John 10, 10. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly, right here, right now. The rest you are longing for is yours for the taking. So right now, I wanna give you watching online the opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus, to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. So if you're ready to step into this abundant life and find this rest, pray this prayer with me. You ready? Let's pray. So Father, I know that I am broken And I am in need of a savior. And if there's one thing that I've been longing for my whole life, maybe I didn't ever put words to my longing, it's rest. God, I'm I'm, I'm longing for hope. I'm longing for joy. I'm longing for peace. I'm longing for that rest. And so right now, I'm putting all my faith and all my trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you that you rose again from the dead and that you are reigning in heaven right now 2022 i am saying yes to you thank you for saving me jesus i give you my life in jesus name amen well can we give it up for all those people who just made the decision to follow jesus if that's you congratulations you just made the most important decision you will ever make in your life and we celebrate with you if you made that decision we actually have something for you it's something we call a save box. And in this save box is a Bible, a coffee mug. It has your next steps on your spiritual journey. And the best way to get this box, you gotta text SAVE to 65248. SAVE 65248. And then fill out a brief form they'll send you online. And then uh, we will get this in the mail to you. And I'd love to follow up with you this week with a phone call and just walk with you on your new journey of faith. Can we give it up one more time for those who made the decision to follow Jesus? Congratulations, this is why we do what we do. Well, if you're new,